shit, shit, shit show. It's a fucking shit show. Welcome back to Shit Show Saturday. We have Shit Show Jill or Jill. Jill, whatever. You ready for this? I think so. Okay. Well, it's too late. Yep. <laughs> right. Too late. I already agreed. Song. My song, I went back and forth with this because I really like Whitney Houston. And I was going to choose How Will I Know because that's literally how I feel about my whole life. Like, how will I know how to do any of this? But um, honestly, there's a song that I don't think ever really got released. It's called Miracle. And if I'm honest, it was the words to that song are the conversation that I had with myself, my inner child and my higher power the night that I reached my bottom. Mm. And I was literally called back from the brink of ending everything. And the words to that song were just like, wow, that's that's the conversation that I had. And I was being, I was physically being stopped from doing anything. I had a plan. I was going to do it, but um, I was being called back and I was told, you know, I have choices, you know, and I, and I think the next day is when I joined the Patreon oh, and, and uh, sent you that email. I don't remember what I said in that email, but I remember I sent you an email. Um, and yeah, just miracle from Whitney Houston. Well, well, we'll circle back to that really highlight of your life there. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, okay. Carbohydrate. Uh, again, I am going to explain everything. Sorry. I have celiac disease, so I don't really have too many choices on carbs. That's the only way that you're allowed to not eat carbs in this community is if you have celiac. So when did you get out of it? Um, 2009, I think. Okay. I would say what used to be my favorite was like good warm Italian bread dipped in olive oil and salt and pepper. Oh, so good. Um, but now I would have to call it mashed potatoes with an unhealthy amount of butter and salt. Nice. I love a Philly soft pretzel. Oh, yes. I miss those. I've tried to have gluten-free ones and they're not even worth the buck. No. Um, okay. Cheese. Are you gonna, now you're going to tell me you're also lactose intolerant? No. No. <laughs> No, I can eat cheese and I like, I like a real like burrata and like mozzarella with, um, what's the meat that I eat with that? Salami, prosciutto. <laughs> prosciutto, thank you. Yes. That's so good. And condiment. Hot sauce. What brand? Um, Hank's actually. It, Hank's is a place in um, Sea Isle City. They oh, really? A, a little restaurant and yeah, it's good. Huh. They have all kinds of flavors. I just have the, you know, the, the reg. I can't go too hot, but I like a little spice. So let's circle back. Well, first, before that moment, when do you think was re the realization that you were an adult child? Did that happen much prior to the moment that you were just explaining? Yes. Yes. Um, it, is this is all about a, a probably a year ago. Um, I mean, my husband and I have always had issues and really, you know, he would always say he couldn't connect to me and, and all of that. And we've seen lots of therapists. Um, but we hooked up with this other person last year and I thought she was a therapist, but 
it turns out she was just an intimacy coach. And that was my fault. You know, I'm not blaming anybody. But I thought it was a therapist. So I was being very honest with her about my childhood and the things that um, I struggled with. And then one day she just said in a group session or session with him and I together um, that I am too attached to my trauma. And I felt awful. I was like, well, what am I, what do I do about it? And I just felt so hopeless. And I went into this shame spiral that had to go, but it had to last weeks. I was so, I didn't know what to do with myself. I just felt like the whole weight of my marriage in chaos was my fault. And I was really struggling. And, you know, that's why I started to plan. I was like, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't know what to do. And I don't know. I don't want to be here anymore. And I, I have a therapist, my own therapist. And she had once sent me a podcast of something else. Um, and you were recommended. And I was like, oh, adult child. Hmm, that's an interesting, I'd never heard of that before. And then I started looking through the um the episodes and when you said you know the first one was about the Bryans, I was like, Well, I don't like Brian's either. I have my own Brian story. <laughs> um so I was like, let me listen to it. So I started <laughs> I started listening to it and then I was like, Okay, I'm an adult child. I get it. Um was still hopeless and trying to find help, you know, and all that stuff and just couldn't fight this shame I was getting you know, ideas from my therapist and the people you had on and that kind of stuff. But um, it just wasn't, I couldn't get out of that shame spiral. I couldn't stop hearing her say, you're too attached to your trauma. And I was just like, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to fix it. So, but, you know, I just got really upset and it was bad. But like I said, I had a plan and I was at my bottom, I was going to leave this earth. And I don't know, something, my legs stopped working. I was walking into my bathroom and my legs stopped working and I just sat on the floor. And oh gosh, the tears, the agony, the years of pain coming out. And I couldn't make it into the bathroom, even though I was sitting on my butt and I was like trying to pull myself in because I was like, I want to do this. I don't want to be here anymore. And just all of a sudden, seriously, this higher power voice just was like, yeah, we're not going to do this. And then my inner child came in and I was like, I can't do this to her. (laughs) You know, she got me here. Just ended on her like that. I can't do that. And I have lost all suicidal ideations since that night, which is good. Man, being a being a mom and getting to that point, you know, like shit, it's gotta mm. be dark. Oh, I thought I thought everybody was gonna be better off without me. Like, you know, my kids have their own anxiety and that kind of stuff. And I just looked at my family, I'm like, look what I've done. I've done all of this. This is my fault. And I don't believe it anymore. <laughs> but I did that night for sure. When was that? It was around the holidays, which I always struggle with holidays anyway. So I think it was just all a big bundle of crap. Uh Uh-huh. Wow. 
had you, how long had you been in therapy, like with your own personal therapist? My own therapist? Uh, I asked her the other day, since 2015. Were you aware that you had trauma? Oh yeah. And that's, that's the problem. I was working on all the wrong things. I was looking at, um, I've, yeah, I will, let's just say it. I have sexual trauma and, um, I was thinking it was all of that. Like you can't connect your husband because, you know, they have a hard time being touched and, and all of was that like later in life. Yeah. Well, yes, it was, um, it was right after the Brian, <laughs> I was with this guy for a long time and he was um, actually with me when my mom died when I was 17 and um, found out shortly after that he was cheating on me. So I was like, we recently figured out that those two traumas were like just kind of attached. I couldn't heal from one because they would both come together. And I, I this actually last week, I think I had this session with well, I think I talked about it in group the other day because um, she was trying to get me to separate him out of the night my mom died because he was there. And I just kept saying, I don't want to remember him. I don't want him there. And she was like, OK, let's let's do a visual. And we just sort of got him out of there. And ever since then, um, th- it, it feels different. It feels very different. But after um trying trying to heal from my mom trying to deal with the being cheated on um i the first guy i dated after that raped me it was mm-hmm. a date rape and i didn't even know what date rape date rape was i didn't know that was a thing so i just sort of kind of i didn't blame myself but i didn't see it as a crime i didn't see it as a you know he was just a big dumb jerk <laughs> um and but yeah i I decided after a while, I'm like, eh, something's going on there. And then I heard the word date rape for the first time. And I was like, that's my problem. Mm. And that's the kind of stuff I was working on in therapy, mm-hmm. thinking those were my problems. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I knew I had issues, you know, with my mom dying. I had my brother die when I I, I was four. And that's one of my first memories of, <laughs> of my brother dying. So I knew there was shit in there. But to see it as just my entire childhood and how I ended up where I did. Mm. It took me a long time to understand that. Well, shit. I mean, your brother dying at four, that's hugely traumatic. Yeah. So talk about your childhood. Well, yeah. My brother, first, one of the first first memories is of him dying. He was 10 months old. He was going to die and he was sick. He had hydrocephalus and he was brain damaged. And, but I didn't know that. Were you the oldest? No, I was, I have an older sister. She's two years older than me. And she said she knew and she understood what was going on, but I didn't. So I don't Mm -hmm. know if I was too young to remember them telling me or they just thought I was too young and it wouldn't matter. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so just one day he was just gone and I found him. And I just remember looking at him and thinking, "Hmm, that doesn't look right. (laughs) His eyes were weird. Oh my goodness. I went and told my mom, hey, Joel doesn't look right. And the memory just stops right there. I don't, I remember her running by me and making this noise that will live with me forever. But that was it, stopped there. Um, and then just trying to have someone explain to me what happened. Like they both, my both my parents, my mom just was so depressed after that, obviously. 
And mm. my dad, who was already, you know, he was rough, but um, he got worse. He got violent. And asking about my brother, where is he? What happened? Would make them angry. And they didn't want to talk about it. And eventually they started, they were religious. So they started bringing in the, well, talk to Jesus. Talk to Jesus. Is he that guy that we see in church hanging up there? Like, is he real? I don't know. What do you mean talk to Jesus? And I, I was like, I would question it. And because I was questioning it, God forbid, you know, then I would get in trouble for being a, you know, God's going to hate you. For mm-hmm. not believing and not ta- not turning to him for you know you and I, then I just became this bad kid because I bothered my parents and God probably hated me you know it's, mm-hmm. I just took on this I, I don't know what you call that I didn't like myself by the time I was four years old because of all the messages I was getting and because we didn't talk about my brother anymore just being four and not understanding any of it. I just sort of said to myself, well, I guess some people don't matter Mm. because we never talked about him again. And I just thought, well, I must be one of those people that don't matter and just waited, you know, I was like, okay, so, so now I'm going to die soon. And Mm -hmm. I've just been in this constant state of waiting to to die. die. Mm. It's very, it's awful. It was, it was just, I think it was just the perfect storm of like, nobody did it on purpose. But it went really bad. Deep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, did you start to act out or how were you like in school? Um, I was, I had ADHD. I, well, I had ADHD. Nobody knew that at the time. Yeah. Um, was it trauma? Was it yeah. ADHD? Who knows. knows? It's one of those things. Um, but that's my diagnosis now that I have ADHD. Uh, but no, I... Once I started to take in that I'm a bad kid and I knew that if I did anything, I would just, you know, who knew, who knew how mad my dad was going to get or what he would do. He's, you know, he's put marks on me and used belts and that kind of stuff. So I just sort of like, I really just disconnected from just about everything, I think, for a long time. Um, And seriously, I have to say, I... If it weren't for the girl who's still my best friend, um, came up to me in sixth grade because our sisters knew each other. And she was like, oh, hey, my sister's name's Andrea, by the way. And she just came up to me. and She said, are you Andrea's sister? And I was like, yeah. And then we've been best friends ever since. And if it weren't for her and her family, I don't know if I would have ever known what an, how, act, how families actually were supposed to act. Mm. because we just ignored each other there was no connection whatsoever what was your sister's experience growing up compared to yours um she was in her room a lot she read a lot I grew up thinking she didn't like me very much because we didn't hang out together at all and when she would talk to me I'd be like oh you're talking to me (laughs) and I have I do have a, a living brother he the brother that died was the youngest and I do have another brother and he and I would play, you know, as kids. Um, and we had fun, but I don't know. It was just, we had to play with somebody. So that's what we, we did. And I, and I, but we had fun and I, I'm glad he was there to help me get through some stuff too. So. So how did your mom pass away? She had 
brain cancer. She had tumor. Mm. When was she died? Like how long before? I was I was 15 when she was diagnosed. She had a, an operation and she actually started to come back and got some of her life back. Mm. And it was, I was like, oh yeah, mom's coming back. And she, she actually started to seem different to me. You know, she wasn't this sad lady anymore. She got some, I got some moments with her back. Mm. Um, but it was never, she was never going to survive it. They, they just, they just gave her a few good years and, um, Mm. I'm glad I'm glad I got to have those few more moments with her that I didn't have as a kid because I really just wanted her to smile again but Mm. she didn't yeah Mm. it's tough how did your dad handle her dying that was so strange to me he broke apart Mm. I was like "Ah, I didn't think you liked mom that much (laughs) I really didn't they didn't no and Mm. I didn't see any affection with them. They used to fight a lot. Um, I I know he was violent with her. She had a broken collarbone once. Um, but when she died, it was just like, what is happening now? So now I'm now I gotta take care of you. And he broke apart, and I was like, I didn't grieve because now I was taking care of everybody mm-hmm. because that was kind of expected. Because I was my sister was off at college, so I was the only female left. So you take care of everything. And he just, he would just, he lost it. He lost it. He became very unstable. And I felt like I had a huge responsibility to keep the house going and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So what is it that led you into therapy with your current therapist? That's when she asked me what I was doing there. I said, I said, I don't know how to connect with people. I knew that much that I didn't, something was missing. And and the, and the most of my life was spent just going through the motions. And I, but I knew there was something deeper. I knew there had to be like nobody, nobody would stay in this world if it was just walking around running into people, you know. So I just knew there was something missing, and I just didn't know how to connect, and I didn't know how to take like the bad thing, like something bad would happen, it would just destroy me, you know. It was like okay, it's you know, and and I would find out that the person I'm destroyed, and the person who it was in it with me, like my husband is thinking it's not that bad. Mm. Why, why do I feel like I'm dying and you're okay? What the hell's going on here? <laughs> no. What about with your kids? Like, did you feel like you couldn't connect with them either? As they got older? Yes. Mm-hmm. When they were little, I had, I was super mom. I knew exactly. Like I loved being when they were babies. I knew what to do. I didn't get stressed if they were crying. I was just like, yeah, we'll figure it out. You know, it, it's okay. And I just, I loved holding them and being with them and kissing them. And um, I just felt like everything I did then was right. Um, but as they got older and, you know, a kiss on the head didn't fix everything or me just snuggling with them didn't fix everything. And I was like, oh, I don't know how to do this. I don't know. I don't know how to be a mom anymore. And I, they did. They, they have problems. They have anxiety. They see a therapist. Um, and my youngest daughter actually had some time. She was with suicidal ideation. Mm. Um, and she was pulled out of school a couple of times to deal with that kind of stuff. And, you know, I full, fully blamed myself for that for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but she's still better now. And I don't, I don't take 
full blame for it anymore. I'm only 50% of how she got here. So yeah. And 50% of you is, wasn't your fault either. You know, it's part of your experience. Right. Exactly. Well. So what have, since like really diving into this work and having the realization that you're an adult child, what have conversations sounded like with both your husband and your kids? Do they understand? No, my husband is still very, very, he's very like, you know, you just, you just don't think about it. You just ignore it. And you just, you just be happy. He's still very much like that, but I've put him through a lot. So, you know, maybe he, he's just like begging me. Can you just please let some of this stuff go? Um, with my kids, they understand. They, they know I've had some shit. They don't know everything, but I'm sure there's other conversations we could still be having, but I feel like with my girls, at least I'm able to be myself, even when I don't feel like I'm my best, mm -hmm. you know, they don't, I don't feel like I have to hide from them. Mm -hmm. Whereas other people like my husband, I still feel like I need to hide a little bit. It's just like, I don't want him to tell me to just be happy because that's not possible right now. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How is your relationship with your, sh yourself shifted as far as like from a compassion standpoint, like, do you feel like you are able to, um, you know, show yourself a little bit more love now that you have an understanding of more of why you are the way that you are? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I actually feel like that little space in me mm. where she lives, um, there's love there. Like, whereas before it was confusion and fear and there's also this need to protect, like, I don't want her to hurt anymore. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's love in there. And I, and I feel different on the inside than I, than I did before. I, I still know there's stuff that's going to come. That's going to be hard, but I don't go into that spiral anymore. That like, mm -hmm. Oh God, I can't get myself out of here. What if that, what if I'm what if somebody walks away from me? Yeah, well, if they walk away, I'm not a little kid anymore. I'm not going to just be standing there by myself. I can do something for myself. So yeah, it's better. Has there been like a pivotal moment where you feel like you've really been able to see your growth? Yeah, actually, um, in my my local ACA meetings, like I'm talking more, I'm engaging with them. I Are there some good meetings? Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, this great. it's a really, really great group of people. Um and awesome. I, you know, just just this week I got put on their group chat and I'm like, oh, I have made it. <laughs> so yeah, they, I mean there was one guy that I think saw me um maybe wanting to speak up more than I was, and he reached out to me and he so I appreciate him very much. And he was like, Hey, you know, I, I'm really proud of your, your share this evening, you know, and all that stuff. And then more and more people would say that it's really good to hear you speak, you know, and it just feels like, Oh, people want to hear me. Oh my gosh. They do. <laughs> and they understand. I mean, I, there's nothing like blurting out shit that's been sitting on your soul for so long. And then you look up and you see these faces looking back on. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> it's amazing with your therapist do you feel like i mean was she not was she not seeing that what the issue was was deeper or she didn't think you were ready to go there i'm not sure i would have to talk to her about it but since i don't know if she, 
like I made this realization myself. I remember being the one that's saying, I have to start going to these meetings. I just, I, you know, I, I'm doing it. There's, there's a piece missing is what kind of what I was saying. And she agreed and has said that she has seen, she even asked me once, I think she asked me if I was high or something once. I can't remember. She asked me something. And I'm like, what? <laughs> And she's like, you're just very different right now. I have to ask you if you're fine. She say hot. I can't remember. I'm like, no, I'm fine. It's I, I just was appearing that much different to her. And mm. I'm like, oh, wow, I guess this is progress. Have you talked with your brother or your sister about this adult child stuff at all? No, we, uh, we're, I would say we're no contact, but, um, my, my brother, I feel he sees the childhood very different. He's protective of my father, and I don't know that he would want to talk Your about Your dad's it. still alive? No, both my parents are gone. But yeah, I, I haven't been brave enough to say anything to him. And my sister, she's hard to find. She's she They, they live in North Carolina. She's married. They live in North Carolina, but they have a, a house in St. Thomas, I think. And I think she just lives there, and I can't ever get a hold of her. <laughs> so. That sounds nice. Yeah. Yeah. They retired and they're like, see ya. <laughs> Have you had many repressed memories come up? Yeah. There's just the things that my father would do, mm-hmm. like that were just, that really are why I don't trust because mm-hmm. he could seem like he was okay. Mm-hmm. And he, he would just be having a conversation with him. And then all of a sudden he was like hitting you. And you're like, mm-hmm. I don't know why. I don't know what's happening. Or he would, um, he used to kill animals and just stuff like that. They were just, it was, it was traumatic. It's like, I don't know why he would do it, but he would do it. And it would make me watch. Mm. <laughs> And, uh, he didn't, I mean, he didn't do it a lot, but it happened. And the religious stuff, Mm. like after I reached puberty, my dad got really super weird and it was time to teach me how to be a woman and what God wanted me to do as a wife. And Mm. it's just, I think that's the thing that set me up for that rape, to be honest with you, because, um, I said no a million times, you know. But at some point, it was like, okay, this is what dad said to do. Just kind of lay there. Mm-hmm. Why my dad told me to lay there, I don't know, but he did. And, um, yeah, and I, from that rape, I got pregnant. <laughs> and our religion was very strict and very, uh, I don't know what you want to call it. I just remember this girl, she got pregnant. And she had to stand in front of the congregation. I think she was 16 years old and she had to stand up and say, and like ask for forgiveness from the congregation because she got pregnant. Mm. And I remember that. And when I found out I was pregnant, I was like, oh no, I'm not doing that. And I I turned to my girlfriend, this in one from sixth grade, and she took me to Planned Parenthood and, Mm. I didn't know I was pregnant. I was just like, I haven't gotten my period, so I don't know what's going on. And um, 
sorry if this is too much no no um you know what show you're on <laughs> yes i know um so she told me planning parenthood i found out i was pregnant um for a minute i was like oh that's really cool there's a little baby you know but then i was like oh shit i have to t- what do i do no i don't want i can't have this um and the next day I woke up and I was really crampy. And so I called her and I was like, oh, wait, I, you know, I'm crampy and I'm all this. And she's like, oh, I guess they were wrong. So I went with the, they were wrong mm. story. And, but eventually I realized I'm having a miscarriage mm. and my only option, because in my mind I had reached out to my girlfriend. I didn't know how to like, I don't know how to, if I ask for help and you give me this help, I don't know how to say, no, I need more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that I felt like, okay, I can't ask her anymore. So who do I ask now? Nobody. I'm not turning to my father. So yeah, I was like, I would have rather bled to death from a miscarriage and mm-hmm. ask my father for help. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, that's how lonely and scared I was of my father. And I was like, there's no way I'm not going to do this. And somehow I guess my higher power was there. Cause you made it. I didn't. <laughs> I I'm surprised how much mm. blood you can lose from that and not, but wow. Sorry. That's gross. But that's my, it's the truth. That's my, yeah. Have you had to grapple a lot with or had challenges with like, cultivating a relationship with a higher power or what's resentment I have going on there. I have. I certainly have. Um but I can't deny that there have been my times of need mm. where there was a presence with me telling me I was going to be okay. Mm. Um and it started when I was little. I would I would just cry and cry and cry. Mm. And then all of a sudden it would feel like somebody was with me and I would almost hear the words, you're going to be okay. Mm. And then I would, you know, I was letting it all out and I was going to be okay. Got me through. Um, Okay. Three things I like about yourself. I am compassionate. I, you know, I like to help people um if i think i can trust you i'm very loyal and i don't know that i'm funny but i like my sense of humor <laughs> and i can i can take a joke you got to be able to take a joke around here in this shit show that's right jack no one no no thin skinnies <laughs> okay hope or dream for the future um well i definitely want to get through this and become like a sponsor or you know a mentor to somebody I was also thinking like a dream I think it would be fun to kind of open I call it a bar but we can't drink that we don't have alcohol there but we have everything else that a bar has you know everybody wants to go and have fun you want to have music and be with your friends and just it's just you don't have alcohol there and maybe there's like rooms off to the side and you can have your 12-step meetings there and then you come in and you because I think sometimes when you're at these 12 step meetings, it's like, oh no, I don't want to go home. Yeah. <laughs> and it would be really fun if you could just go over and listen to some music and hang out. 
yeah I guess it's kind of like a like a clubhouse but like more more shit going on yeah yeah I don't know they love it well any any final words anything else you want to say um I just I I think I already said it but it's yeah we're all afraid of being abandoned like it's uh it like feels like getting cut with a knife but we're we're grown-ups now you know and Mm -hmm. if they walk away you're not a little kid anymore and you can do something for yourself whatever it is do it (laughs) you're worth it thanks joe you're welcome thank you thank you it's i because of you i have made you know you are a puzzle piece for sure (laughs) and i appreciate you Let it all go.